Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 133, where in a moment we welcome another guest expert to the show, this time Paul Cherry of Chersun, to discuss everything we need to know about buying properties overseas. That's in a moment, as I say, but please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here and you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. In our programmes today, we've featured loads of stuff, mortgages, investing, wills and powers of attorney and heaps more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last time we looked at non-fungible tokens. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts and you'll get us there. As I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. Joining me as always, the star of our show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you? Good, thank you. Joining us today is Paul Cherry, owner of... Now, I, I don't know if I even pronounced it correctly, Paul, so let me just check that one first. Is it Cherson? It is indeed, yeah. Cherson Good. Properties. <laughs> Good. Which specialises in buying property in Spain. Paul, thanks for coming up. Maybe before we ask you more about buying a property abroad, you can tell us a little bit about your own backstory and how you got into it. Yeah, certainly. Well, uh, my background is, is the same as Phil, actually. I had a, an IFA business, independent financial advisors business in Perth in Scotland, which I ran with my wife, Nicola. But I also played professional football in Scotland for 17 years. So when, even when I was playing uh, professional, I always had something to fall back on with the financial services. And uh, you know, that's, that's uh, my background there. But then when we moved over to Spain, we basically ran the financial services business from Spain. And I would pop over to the UK once a month for three or four days. So can be done, Phil, if you're looking for a place in the sun. <laughs> I know, that sounds good. That sounds perfect to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so apart from the obvious weather bonus, Paul, what's the, the appeal of someone buying a property abroad? I think the, the main thing nowadays, especially after COVID, is that we all realise that, that life is precious and it's pretty short. So, you know, the, the benefits of living in a, a good climate is obviously healthy, but also the cost of living generally is a, a quite a bit cheaper here in the, the Murcia region of Spain. How, how long have you been in Spain for, Paul? Been in Spain for 18 years, but time just flies by. It's unbelievable, but it's, it's certainly no regrets. And, you know, if I had my way, we, we could have, we should have come over earlier when the children were younger, but when I was playing football, obviously I couldn't do that. But when you were playing football, you played for, was it St Johnston in Inverness, Caledonian Thistle? Was it when you played in the, the Scottish leagues? Yes, I actually, I actually started with Hearts and played for Hearts for three and a half years. And then went to, had a short spell at Cowboys, then eight years at uh, St Johnston and three and a half years at Inverness. So great memories, had quite a bit of success in the different leagues. And I think the good thing with having the IFA business is they always have something to fall back on, which is really important for football players. Yeah. I know a few football players that have, have become financial advisors. Russell Anderson, he he works at Aberdeen Considine now. He's He's got a career in that so it's always good to do a few different things is it and see what you, you enjoy the most I, I guess well the, the good thing you know with football it opens a lot of doors 
that you've got to take advantage of when you're playing because these doors, as soon as you stop playing, you're a forgotten hero, as they say. You know, and I think nowadays is that players now begin to realise, particularly in Scotland where the money's not as good, they tend to realise that you do have got to have something for the future because your career just flies by. Yeah. Could you work the pros and cons for us, Paul, when we're talking about buying a property abroad? Let's look at the, the, the pros first. What are the advantages? I think the advantages are generally you've got better lifestyle, and that's due to climate. You know, you, you wake up every morning and the majority of the time it's blue skies and sunshine. So the health benefits are there. Also, the, the, the cost of living is cheaper, so you can treat yourself a bit more often. And, you know, Spain as well, you're only two and a half, three and a half hours away from most, you know, European cities, and particularly in the UK, you've got good access. And that's important as well. So if you do need to get back to the UK, then it's easy enough to get a flight either from Alicante or the Murcia airports that we have in this area. And what about the, the disadvantages? Are, are there any? <laughs> well, so a lot of people ask that. and It's funny when I have the answer, and the answer disadvantages is we've not got Marks and Spencers over here because I, I, like, <laughs> I do like the food hall at Marks and Spencers. But I think the disadvantages, obviously, is that if you do have family in the UK, you know, you can't just pop around for a coffee. But the thing is nowadays, as we all know, you know, you've got Zoom, you've got Facebook, time etc so you know you know there's there's i'd say there's more advantages than disadvantages hence the reason i'm still here in spain <laughs> you, you were saying was it 18 years did you say you've been in spain paul that's right yeah, yeah. The, you know, we, we set up the financial service we had this financial services business and after a year of traveling back and forward to the UK with the financial services business, we then set up Cherson Properties, which is a, an estate agency. So we deal with properties in the Costa Blanca and Costa Calida regions of Spain, which are very popular with the, the British clientele. I, I was on your website, Paul, and I love the catchphrase, cherry-picked locations. I thought that was, that was excellent. I really like that. But when you're looking to buy property, what sort of things do, do people kind of look for? Is there anything specific to Spain that, that's important to kind of remember as well? I think the, 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 key is, the key is listening to what your clients want because, you know, you've got to find the solution to what, what their problem is. And the thing is, when you're getting clients coming over, is that, you know, we'll ask the questions, uh, the checklist before we come over, find out exactly what they're wanting and then show them locations because like anywhere in the world, location is the most important thing. So it's getting the right locations for the people and then once they find the location that ticks the boxes for them, then that's where the property has to be found. But what sort of things do people look for? Do you get? I, I guess you'd get some folk that would be quite keen to be close to golf courses and others that's maybe wanting beat uh, close to the, the beach, would that be right? Yeah, I think the, the majority of the clients that we have, they, they want to be quite close to the coast. So within a 15 to 20 minute drive of the coast, what I also recommend to them is concentrate on areas that are, I'll say working Spanish towns or areas that you have all your life because it's important if somebody's coming over from the UK in the winter time is you don't really want to be in an area in Spain that in the winter is a ghost town 
with no bars, restaurants, supermarkets open. So, you know, we tend to look at areas that have a good all-year-life atmosphere for our clients. How do people generally tend to, to finance purchasing property overseas, Paul? Is, is it a retirement thing, mostly where they, they sell up and then move out? Or do you have any contacts for financing property overseas? Yeah, well, there's, every, everyone's different, you know, with, with their financial needs. You know, we, we, I'm, we're finding just now that we're getting a lot of people coming over that have the funds in place. So they've maybe sold a property in the UK or they've inherited or they've had a nice tasty bonus from their work. Now, for clients that are looking to raise finance, then some of the options that, you know, obviously we, we would say to people, you know, talk to a, a reputable IFA such as Phil, is that, you know, some people raise funds against their property by remortgaging their UK property and raising the funds there to then purchase in Spain. And another alternative is obviously the Spanish mortgage. So Spanish banks have tightened up after the, the downfall of the property crash, but it's still easy enough to get a Spanish mortgage up to around 70% of the purchase price of the valuation, whichever is lower. Phil, just coming to you for a second, how, how does that compare to, to the UK right now? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had clients here. You, you can remortgage up to about 90% of your property value in this country. And I've seen people do that to raise funds to buy overseas Years ago, there was a company called Conti Mortgages. They were really good. They would do mortgages in just about any country, but sadly, they're they're no more. But I've seen a lot of clients do that. They'll they'll raise money on their property here and then look to to buy maybe a second property abroad. So that's something I've been involved in quite a bit before. We we do have connections at some of the banks. I know, um, for example, Santander, Barclays, there's a number of the banks will do sort of mortgages overseas. HSBC is is another one. So we we have got connections there. And like Paul says, if someone speaks to their financial advisor or some mortgage brokers will deal with properties overseas, whereas some will tend to stick more just to the the UK market. Um, Sorry. I was going to say, is it a common thing for you to organise something like this abroad, Phil? Yeah, we, we've done it quite a, a number of times um, in, in different countries as well. I mean, we're, we're speaking a lot about Spain today because that's where Paul is, but I have seen folk raise money to buy property in the States, the Middle East, I've seen it a lot of different places. So, yeah, it's something that I would say, I, I'd probably say it's becoming a little bit more common again. I suppose with, with COVID, things sort of fell away for, for a while, but I don't know if Paul feels the same, but I certainly feel it's it's coming back a bit more just now. Another another thing as well is that when you are buying a property in Spain, you've obviously got the buying costs, which are, you know, quite expensive. So the thing is, if it's a resale property, then I always recommend adding about 12% onto the purchase price to cover the buying costs, such as taxes, lawyers' fees, notary fees, land registry fees. Now, if you're taking out a Spanish mortgage, you've also got to take into account this additional mortgage fees as well. So instead of 12%, then you're looking at adding about 15% onto the purchase price if you're taking out a Spanish mortgage. Whereas if you remortgage against your UK property, you're saving that 3% you wouldn't entail with having a Spanish mortgage. So another thing as well is that if you have a Spanish mortgage, that's obviously euros. 
So the slight concern there is if the exchange rate went against you when you're exchanging your sterling into euros each month, you know, that could be a, a you know a, a more expensive way. Whereas, as you said, Phil, you know, just remortgage your UK property, you then save 3% in cost, but also importantly, you know, each month in sterling what your mortgage payments are going to be. So that's just another yeah. uh, thing to consider. It's funny, it was, we had a question come in at the end of the show last week about the pros and cons of buying abroad. And it's funny, I said there's like the, the exchange rate or the currency risk is a both a, a it can be a positive or negative depending on which way it, it goes for you. But one thing I was gonna ask, Paul, like what, what's the sort of trends for people buying? Do you, do you find that do people tend to buy a place to stay in themselves or do they you get ones trying to buy it to, to rent out? I know Airbnb, for example, is becoming very popular these days. How how's kind of things over there just now with that? Well, after Brexit, it's it's not as attractive for British buyers to buy a property in Spain to rent out. Now, the reason being is that nowadays for a non-EU uh, owner of a property in Spain, if they do rent the property out, they're having to pay 24% tax on the gross income that they're getting in rental. And unfortunately, they're not able to offset any of the running costs, such as utility bills or community fees, wear and tear, etc. So in my opinion, don't buy a property in Spain purely as an investment to rent out because the tax incentives are, are, are negligible nowadays because of Brexit. Whereas I always ask, it sounds a silly question to clients, but I always ask them if they could get an EU passport, such as an Irish passport. The reason being is that if they are able to get an Irish passport, they can buy the property as an EU owner. And the benefits there are that it's only 19% tax, Spanish tax, on the net rental income. So for EU, uh, property owners, they can offset any of the running costs or wear and tear, and they're also benefiting from only 19% tax on the net amount. So that's the thing nowadays. I always say to people, if you're looking to buy in Spain, view it primarily as a lifestyle purchase. Don't get me wrong, you can still rent the property out, but you're going to be paying more tax on the rental income, and don't view it as a pure investment for rentals because of the tax and Brexit rulings. Just while you're mentioning tax there, Paul, are there any other tax implications when you're doing this sort of purchase? Well, the, when you are buying a property in Spain, the, the, the buying costs are expensive. So if it's a if it's a resale property in the Murcia region, you've got 8% what they term is a IVA tax. A, so you're sorry, transfer tax, which is 8%. If it's in the Alicante region, it's 10% tax because in Spain, each, each region actually sets their own taxes for properties. So again, that's another thing to consider is looking at what regions, what the tax rates are for purchasing property. So although you've got that 8 or 10%, you've also got additional costs such as lawyers fees, which are generally about 1% of the purchase price. And then you've got notary fees and land registry fees, which generally about 1% of 
each. So, you know, between 12 to 15%, depending on the regions, is that your buying costs it would be. One of the things Phil's always bearing my ear about in this show, Paul, when it comes to investing in anything, one of the first things you have to assess about yourself is your capacity for risk, which then enables you to look at investments and treat them accordingly. So is it safe enough to invest in property abroad? Yeah, I would say it's, it's, it's safe if you buy in the right location. And because locations are the key. There's always a demand for properties in good locations. What we tend to find is when the property market crashed, prices of properties near the coast were pretty stable. Whereas if you bought a property that was an hour inland, which nobody really wanted, you found that the prices fell considerably there. So I always say, go back to the purchasing a Spanish property. Purchase it as an, a lifestyle investment. You know, and, 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 you know, don't look upon it as I'm going to have to get 10% yield a year on this. You know, don't, don't expect that. <laughs> Would you say is, is now a good time to buy in Spain, Paul? I mean, I, I guess there's ever a bad time for, for there, but and, and has Brexit kind of affected the market in any way, for instance? Well, the, it's a good question because Brexit was, everyone was concerned what would happen with Brexit. But what we found is that Brexit, British are still buying them. You know, because of the accessibility, because of the climate. So the market has not fallen. But, you know, the, the, the thing is, is that it's a lifestyle purchase. So, you know, you've only one life. May as well enjoy it. We've all, we've, you know, we've all worked in businesses that you feel like a mouse in a wheel. And it's quite nice to get off sometimes. <laughs> hey, are there any sort of major do's and don'ts in terms of advice you have to? Can I follow if you're buying property overseas, Paul? Yeah, I think the the main the main thing is to is to get a good Spanish lawyer, and by having a good Spanish lawyer, that lawyer will do the due diligence to make sure that the property that you intend to purchase is legal, which is really important, and also to make sure that there's no embargoes or there's no debts against the property because in Spain when you buy a property if it's not got all the licenses then you have the concern that the, the, the local town hall can come along and bulldoze it down fortunately that does not happen very often eh, thankfully but the other thing as well is that uh, with the you know the, your lawyer they'll check if there's a mortgage against the property that that mortgage must be paid off before you sign for the property and the notaries. Because in Spain, if you inherit any debt, then you have to pay that back. So that's why it's really important uh, to have a good, reputable Spanish lawyer who will do all the due diligence and you won't have any issues to worry about, thankfully. Kind of negates the question that I was about to ask, and it was just to to double down on it anyway, but... (laughs) Is this a purchase that you can make in your own, Paul? I mean, I, I imagine it'd be madness given that you wouldn't do it that way here. So doing it internationally is probably even less advisable, is it? Yeah, well, we've uh, we, we, we've had uh, clients buy properties via virtual virtual calls, virtual videos, and also they don't necessarily need to come over to do the legal work because we have reputable Spanish lawyers that we could recommend that you can do power of attorney. So from the UK, 
you could do power of attorney for a Spanish lawyer and you don't need to, to come over and, and meet them. You know, very few will do that. Most people will come over, meet their Spanish lawyer, and get a feel for them, etc. But yeah, the, the other thing, you know, talking about power of attorney, 99% of our clients who are buying will do power of attorney for the Spanish lawyer because that enables the lawyers to apply for a Spanish national insurance number, which is a tax identification number. The lawyers, the lawyers with the power of attorney can go to the local police station, stand in the queue and the, the hot heat, and uh, you don't need to, to be there, you know. So, and with the power of attorney as well, is the lawyers can actually complete the purchase without you actually having to come over. We've even had clients that have told the lawyers, we want to spend time at the beach this morning. If you can sign for our property and then give us a call and we'll pop up from the beach, we'll pick the keys up. So it's, <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's laid back, isn't it? It's, it's, the, the other thing as well, John, is that the, and Phil, is the majority of our clients who have purchased cannot believe how simple straightforward it is purchasing a property, especially if you get the large power of attorney, compared to the UK. So that's that that's, that tells you something. They're not going there, going back to the UK so that is an absolute thing. It's the complete opposite. Yeah. I'd say people want things to be easy these days and if the easier you can make it, the, the better eh? Exactly. And that's that's throughout life though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If having heard today's episode, someone wants to get in touch and, and investigate further the idea of buying property overseas, how would they reach you, Paul? Uh, well, we've got the website, which is www.sharesun.com. And if you make an inquiry via the website, either myself or Suzanne, my daughter, will be in touch and uh, we'll help you through the whole process. As Phil says, making it nice and simple. Excellent. Now uh, comes the part of the show where Phil looks back over the course of his own life, both professionally and personally, to find an example of how today's topic has affected his own situation. So, Phil, today, buying property overseas, what I know of you, Phil, I would imagine this is something that maybe you have considered or are considering. What do you what do you have in that? Anyway, John knows I'm a, a big NFL fan. Um, the team I support is the Denver Broncos, and I love going over there. And I must admit... It, if my kids weren't so young, I've got six boys, and if they weren't still quite young, I would love the idea. They just sort of Denver. I mean, that, that would be for the, the American football to go over there. But I had a look on your website, Paul, and some of the properties there, I'm thinking, oh, great. Good. I mean, <laughs> now, I, mean, I, I could, I could work remotely these mm-hmm. days. The business kind of runs itself. And I mean, I'm involved a lot of like compliance work, marketing stuff. So I, I could easy work from overseas and I must admit if it wasn't for the fact my kids are still quite young I'd have probably be on a plane coming over to see you next week <laughs> <laughs> next it's time for Phil's quote of the week you've always been a fan and a collector of quotes Phil certainly for as long as I've known you so what have you got on our topic for this week it's funny when when Paul was speaking earlier I thought Craig, my quote of the week was almost what he was saying the quote this week's from Shakira live your life to the fullest Excellent. Now, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your queries. So if ever you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you prefer. Uh, let's get on to this week's contact details in a moment. We'll give it to you after this. Finn in Glasgow asks, what are some possible financial implications as a self-employed sole trader when living abroad for a year or more? 
Probably a few different things. I mean, if, if you've got protection policies, you would need to notify your insurer. It's likely they would be okay with you keeping those going. So that would be the first area that I'd look at. If you've got a mortgage, you would need to tell your, your mortgage lender. They don't tend to like it if the property is unoccupied. So that's something to, to note if you had a property here already. If you plan on letting out your property, you would need to get their consent to do that. Some lenders will charge a fee for, for a consent to let, whereas others will increase your interest rate slightly on the mortgage. And in some cases, some will do both. If you've got a pension, your state pension here is not likely to be impacted unless you're away for a number of years. To get the full state pension, you've got to have 35 years of national insurance contributions. So unless you were away for, for several years, that's that's not really going to impact too much there. If you are paying in a personal pension, you can still pay into this. But again, it's probably worth speaking to a financial advisor just to see about the, the tax relief on that, see if that's something you would still be able to get or not. So probably a, a few things. I, I noticed as well, also said he was a sole trader. So also worth sort of saying to the taxman, but your plans are there as well. Yeah, I'm just thinking being out of the country, that might actually be a, a bonus for the tax that you pay in the UK, would it? It depends. I mean, it depends really how long you're away for. Mm. I mean, it's possible to work abroad and still pay. It, it all depends where you're what's called domiciled. So again, that, that starts to get a bit more complicated there. But there's probably quite a few things for, for him to look into. Okay. Next up, here's one from uh, Stephen in Perth, who has a question about home and contents insurance. Hi, Phil. We just had work completed on our property to add an extension. Presumably, we have to let our home and contents insurance provider know straight away, as I'm guessing, if there's more house, there's more to pay. It's good to, to speak to them, but it won't necessarily be more to pay because some some policies are based on the number of bedrooms that you have. So that might depend if if they have more bedrooms or not. Also as well, some some companies will give you just a standard amount of what's called the rebuild cost. So to rebuild your house from scratch might cost, say, 400000 but the company you're with might give you a million pounds of buildings cover. So again, it'll all depend on what you've got at the moment. But yeah, definitely best speaking to them. Let them know what you've done and they can have a look and see what impact that'll have on your policy. Yeah, we just say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a fair few topics so far and we may well have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Ellis. Thanks for joining us for episode 133 of the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. And thank you also to our guest, Paul Cherry of Cherson. Now, if you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or Join the Facebook group for the show. Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance Community on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Or why not email Phil a question that he can answer on a future show? His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send me your question and Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we won't use your real name if that's what you'd prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. And please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Then you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks, John. Thanks very much for coming on, Paul. Yeah, pleasure. Ah.